although they went into a little bit too much detail for me. They were like, you could see the age lines and things on their face. I was like, rude. Um, but anyway, they, <laughs> they, could, they, could, they, could prove, they could prove that their models were over the age of 25. And not um, Botoxed, apparently. And not Botoxed, apparently. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud sponsors of this, and this is Brews News Week. And as you might have noticed, I'm not Pete Mitchum. I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard. Pete is living in the one state that isn't subject to lockdowns and <laughs> isn't he making the most of it. But I am joined, as always, by my senior journalist at Bruce News, Claire Burnett. Claire, good morning. <laughs> hey, Matt. Sorry, I hadn't. I haven't nailed a, an intro for you because it's not Pete's where's job. My, yeah, he usually does it. He usually gives me a good name and a little backstory. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he, he did that once um, and said, "Claire, boom, boom, Burnett, know, and, and Jimmy, <laughs> go for gold." And uh, suddenly, you have this rod around your neck or something around your neck. <laughs> How are you? How's your week been? Yeah, not bad. It's been a bit odd, hasn't it, being back in lockdown. Um, we've managed to avoid it for a while, and now Queensland's back. Um, As with the rest really of Australia. Strange. Yeah, except Fleming Victoria, yeah. Well, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> they, deserve, they deserve a break. Yeah, they do. They've had it rough, haven't they? <laughs> they, they are, and they? we're only doing it for the weekend. Oh, that just suddenly reminded them. me of that line in the um, – Holy Grail, where oh, not the Holy Grail, uh, Life of Brian, where oh, yeah. oh blessed are the meek. Oh, I'm, <laughs> they have a hell of a time. It was a beautiful accent. <laughs> <laughs> so blessed are the Victorians this week. <laughs> but in uh, in Pete's absence, how about we crack on and uh, it might even be a nice tidy little uh, podcast this week. Um, and yeah, let's see if we can show Pete how it's done. <laughs> Mind you, when it was just you and Pete, you kept it quite short. You kept it quite trim. Really? Um, well, that, well, yeah, you weren't too bad. Well, not really. There was a thing that we called the uh, cook limit because Jamie oh, Cook yeah. uh, used to listen, and, and I think he still does, um, but he uh, commented that the half-hour podcasts were getting longer and longer and longer, um, <laughs> and uh, so we, we ended up splitting the podcast into two, mm-hmm. so Bruce News Week and then Beer is a Conversation, and then oh, both okay. of them started getting longer, and so that was where the, uh, the idea of the cook limit, but we haven't talked about that for some time, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, but we like it. That's why we did Below the Fold, though, isn't it? Because then you've got that half-hour break if you want, and then you can choose to carry on. If it you works. just want the news without the – I won't say it garbage because a lot of people you – know, yeah, <laughs> people, people appreciate like it. Some people do yeah. like it. They do like the discussion. <laughs> but it lets them know when we've finished with the news. So anyway, exactly. let's crack on with the news headlines. And uh, big news this week. Five million grant bonanza for Australia's breweries. Australian breweries have collectively secured more than $5 million in grants from the Manufacturing Modernisation Fund. Uh, it has been announced earlier this week. Capital, Bentspoke and Blaster, um, along with Brick Lane, Ballistic, Beer, Moondog, Modus Operandi and Seven Mile Brewing have benefited from $5.1 million of the fi- $52.8 which isn't bad. Like, that's 10%. That's a, yeah, it's a good... And that doesn't even include East Coast Canning and possibly Bickford because we weren't sure whether the bottler went for um, Vale Brewing or whether it was for just Bickford's in general because I think they do soft drinks and stuff as well. There's this multi-bottling when you look at yeah, the detail yeah. we were able to prize out from it, yes. 
Exactly, yeah. But it's so good. It's just absolutely brilliant because I think the first round, they only had Ballistic and Little Bang. And so now they've just really upped their game bringing the brewers in. And I think that's testament to just the projects that breweries are undertaking now, the things that they want to do. Um, Blaster, sort of amazing projects. Internet bringing in loads of new technologies, advanced technologies. Um, Moondog focusing on seltzers. So we'll find out a little bit more about that. Um, Modus Operandi's Nort's doing really well. Um, so loads of really interesting projects. It wasn't just all like, and some of them are just increasing capacity, which is fantastic in itself. But then others are doing like very innovative and new things or building on what they've done before. Um, so it's blooming brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. The interesting thing I found about it was like Nort and we had the chat with uh, by by complete chance we had a um, chat with Jazz from Nort uh, last week because she didn't let it slip did she she didn't let it slip that they'd got anything for don't it don't know whether they knew did they um I, they have known for a while oh, okay yeah. so because you knew yeah. the blaster knew so mm. um, okay there I you go it just went public on Monday I think like the uh, Oz industry announced it and everything okay. and a few people I think caught, were a bit caught off guard actually I don't think they realised it was all coming out on Monday <laughs> well, when I got in touch with them they were like oh shit <laughs> right hand left hand because I would have known because exactly. I, I guess they would have signed yeah, yeah. off on their um you know, on, on their approvals to make it all, mm. you know, um, ducks in a row sort of thing. Yeah. But it does make something that I did chat with uh, Jazz about um, in the podcast because we, when they launched Nort, we were interested because we do know that, you know, the two ways of making alcohol-free beer or the ultra-low alcohol beer, one is the very, very expensive vacuum distillation method that the mm-hmm. big uh, brewers use. Um, yeah. And then the other one is the micro method, um, which is a little bit more problematic for small breweries because even the yeast producers recommend pasteurisation. And as we know, pasteurisation is very much the uh, red-headed stepchild of the brewing industry. It's one of the things <laughs> that the uh, craft brewers really don't really embrace, um, you know, <laughs> just about every other element of you know, the odd notions of craft brewing, you know, adjuncts, high gravity, rice, you know, um, like all of those things have gone out. But pasteurisation is still one of those things that brewers haven't embraced. And I've always had this theory that craft brewers or the small brewers don't like anything that they can't do and make that their claim around craft is this because, you know, we only use traditional brewing methods until some of the other uh, methods become available to them. So it was very interesting to see that two of the projects, Nort, um, sorry, to go back, uh, Nort had always been very cagey about saying where the beer was made um, and not really wanting to, uh, you know, or or, not shout from the rooftops, we'll put it that way, Mm -hmm. that it was Mm -hmm. brewed uh, with partners who had that capacity or, um, you know, had a different capacity to, to them. And their project description talks about bringing the production of Nort beers in-house, um, which, again, ah, was something that they hadn't really uh, sort of talked too much about, that it was out of house. Um, yeah. And it will also design and build a production line that will include the commissioning, purchase and installation of specialised brewing and quality control Ooh, equipment. Um, what do we think that well, is? <laughs> to me, like, going, well, what does that mean? Like, is that a packaging line? Why haven't they said a packaging line? Why haven't they yeah. said... I, I can see saying specialized yeah, specialized brewing. is a bit of a stretch isn't it for a <laughs> well a pasteurizer is specialized, specialized brewing yeah. and quality control equipment but you know it's, it, it. 
it's interesting that, you know, again, even in, um, you know, uh, uh, Brick Lane own um, completely that they pasteurize because mm-hmm. they say it makes for better beer. Um, and yeah, a lot yeah. of the, the big brewers are. The other one that's st- <laughs> that leapt out a little bit was um, Ballistic that talked about, that also got a grant for its packaging line. Um, and it talked about their number one product, Hawaiian Haze, um, which, you know, is inherently less stable due to the volume of raw materials um, and, you know, sort of talking about the challenges of, of packaging it. And their project will result in stable product and a more efficient and cost-effective process prior to packaging. Um, so, I'm, again, not sure what that means, whether, you know, it's going to just be filters and things like that or, again, we're going to see a little... Pastoring. Um, I mean, I did email them. I haven't heard back yet. I just went, "Oh, well done, congrats!" Like, tell me a little bit more about the project. And they haven't, they haven't messaged me back yet. So uh, maybe they knew. We don't know. We don't know. You know, when some of the. you know, some of the projects were very detailed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in 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 what they were going to be, um, you know, applying it towards. <laughs> you know, some of them have just very interesting roundabout ways of describing, you know, without giving anything really away. So it'll be interesting. Hold, watch, watch this space. But uh, look, uh, so, uh, apart from that industry um, element of it that I find quite interesting, um, isn't it awesome that brewers are starting to get support? There was one very, very small uh, little brewery with Seven Mile uh, down in Ballina. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've had some comments from some of the very, very small breweries that the breweries that were successful do seem to be the larger, you know, breakaway brewers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they. let's be fair, though. I mean, if you're a small brewery, do you have the time to – because I spoke to a couple of guys who obviously applied and were successful, and all of them were like, yeah, we spent like two weeks on doing this application. It's a huge – Like nobody can yeah. take that kind of time out of the small brewery. It's it's purely time a lot of in a lot of cases. And you also had to um, fund the they, majority of whatever yeah. the project was as well. So to get 100000 yeah. like you needed to spend half a million. And that's a exactly. a, a big outlay of itself. Because yeah. um, it was all co-funding. So you had to give up. Mm. You had to prove that you could pay for some of it and then they'd pay a chunk of it. So unless you already have a big proportion of that money anyway, then you're not going to be able to get that extra little bit on top which is obviously helpful but yeah i mean that does just cut out a whole section of the market in terms of people who can get these kind of grants and that is one of those funny things that we are that i think we're increasingly going to see as some of some breweries break away and get you know more resources which means that their cost you know their unit cost comes down but then they've also got more resources to do this sort of thing that does create that two-speed industry to some extent um Mm -hmm. you know because they have the ability to invest in the the grant process for example but at least it wasn't four pines this time Matt. Well, and yeah, we, 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 but yeah, again, like there, there was no, no issues with Four Pines getting government grants, but it was mm. interesting that last year they did claim a small business grant. Um, you know, <laughs> which again, you know, just one of those interesting things about Four Pines when they were independent, they made a big thing of independence and talked about the injustices of uh, the, the big breweries. Um, I'd been told that they declined to join the, you know 
craft beer in the, in the, the craft beer industry association because it had the big guys in, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're a big guy. Um, but it's like when you're a kid and you think your parents are full of crap, and then when you become an adult and you realise you are full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Well, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that you know if you're going to bang the drum and then suddenly, you know, or if if you're going to be acoustic and suddenly go electric. Mm. Don't poo-poo electric when you're playing acoustic. Um, exactly. You know, it's uh, – I, I don't know. I think we stressed oh, that one. Um, and now, but the, the other thing, though, is I wonder if uh, – and this is uh, like a post without notice. Um, I wonder whether big breweries, um, you know, these, these bigger craft breweries are at a disadvantage because they can't value themselves at $20 million and, or $14 million or $7 million <laughs> and get the gift of free money. <laughs> oh yes, we'll have to get onto that, won't we? Well, I mean, do it like it's just one of those editorial questions that you and I will have to discuss offline. Because <laughs> do we cover every equity crowd fund? Is it inequitable? Uh. Um, this week, uh, well, obviously, last week we spoke to um, the the beer cartel guys. We'll talk a little bit about more about that in below the fold. But this week uh-huh. we've seen O'Brien's or Rebellion Brewing go live with their 14 million uh, listing. We've seen uh, co-conspirators go live with their 7 million listing. Um, go check out the documents. We, we, we might just do a bit of a, a wrap-up story, just sort of looking at the what they're asking versus their um, valuations, I think. Um, oh, well, uh, good that you've said that because that's exactly what I've been working oh, on. Oh, good. And I've got some, <laughs> got some very interesting comments as well from um, equity crowdfunding experts and business valuation pe- like experts as well. It's really interesting to see how cagey people are about business valuations and like how you can decide them and all that kind of stuff because it's obviously different depending on whether you're a high growth business or you've just started out or what your plans are and where, how you work out your valuation. Is it based on projected like future income or is it based on your performance so far or all these sorts of really interesting things that I find really nerdily interesting. Um, we'll have we'll talk about them in it. Um, but it should be a good one, Matt. Look forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And look, at, I mean, at the end of the day, it, 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 it's like anything. Things are worth what people are willing to pay for them. And if you're mm. willing to pay, you know, um, for a business that is valued at $20 million that will never in any stretch of the imagination sell for that $20 million valuation, then it's you know worth $20 million to you. I just cavil on one hand about the calling it investment because an investment mm-hmm. has to be... Implies a return. It yeah. implies a return. Yeah, implies a return. And as somebody uh, pointed out on, on the Facebook discussion group, even the value um, or even the um, dividends that are given in terms of benefits are subject to the director's whims so they can be changed at any time Um, and then the the second thing is that if you are getting that free money for for valuation um, it puts a lot of pressure on every other business to look at how they can get that you know 750 mm-hmm. to a million dollar cash injection the same way because if everyone else yeah. is going to banks you know and having to pay and paying over interest the odds, and, yeah. yeah yeah all that kind of stuff it's mad isn't it and the other thing that kind of irks me a little is that in a normal company you know if a professional investor will usually write in their terms and conditions of an, an investment deal but you know th- this is what happens if you don't reach x y and z milestones after so many years but obviously we've seen with people like Endeavor 
there's no recourse for a retail investor. Like they, they, you can't do anything about it if it's all gone P-Tong effectively. And you if, just have to deal with it. <laughs> if you're listed on the ASX, you have to provide constant updates or you're in breach mm-hmm. of corporations law. These small businesses, one of the ideas is that it's you know less red tape and less, which means less cost involved in corporate compliance, which makes mm-hmm. some of these possible. But at the same time, there's still meant to be the disclosure laws. We still haven't seen Endeavour's accounts for the 1920 financial year. Um, yeah. You know, all my, when, when the, you know, well, it's the 1st of July, so everyone's 2021 ones are being closed off now. So um, yeah. no communication, no updating of shareholders, um, yeah. you know. No checks and balances, nobody holding you to account and saying what the hell are you doing it's just oh well we'll take this money and we'll do whatever we want with it and, <laughs> change, right. and, and change what we said that we were going to do with it if yeah. you know, if we decide to and uh, you know, speaking of no checks and balances um mm. moving on to brew avoids liquidation of its mildura home struggling <laughs> brews mildura brewery has avoided we're going to go very close to filling a bingo card this week though, Claire. <laughs> struggling brews mildura brewery has avoided being wound up after the lawyers of one of its creditors sought to have the wind up application dismissed. Energy supply AGL sales PTYLTD had applied to the Supreme Court of Victoria for outstanding debts totaling $45,000 in April. However, when the matter came before the court, the lawyer for AGL sought to have it dismissed with no order made for costs. Judicial Registrar Ian Irving made the order for dismissal. Um, So we don't know what happened. Presumably, um, the debt was paid um, or, or a settler or a payment um, something was entered into and, uh-huh. you know, just that legal threat. Um, but it doesn't look good for Brew when, you know, they're not paying their bills. Yeah. For how long as well? How long does it take to rack up a $45,000 power bill? I think like, it was most of the financial year. And, and don't forget it's ooh. a brewery. Like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, take the ballot. Take the ballot. Which is interesting given that they were going to build the world's greenest brewery. <laughs> not anymore which Matt. would have had a very low well yeah and, uh, although this is very much like what is going on with these people how are they just bulletproof like stuff keeps happening to them and yet they still keep rolling on it's completely insane well the, yeah i mean like, as i say we, we've been saying for years that it can't go on forever but it it is looking <laughs> but it has <laughs> it is looking increasingly shaky you know as they've sold mm. well they've they've sign a contract to sell the land. Um, we, we need to uh, find out whether the um, you know Victorian Special Projects uh, organisation that sold them the land, which has to approve the sale, is going to approve the sale. You'd have to wonder whether they would, because if the land is worth five, you know, they sold it to them at $2 million uh, nearly five years ago. The land is now worth $7 million, but it was sold conditional and subject to a buyback clause um, if it wasn't developed. Now, Brew has made absolutely no attempts, it would appear, no uh, mm. meaningful attempts to actually develop that land in accordance with that. They haven't even turned soil um, and they were meant to have developed it and being employing a certain number of people that just won't happen. Mm-hmm. They've held onto it, they've sold it and reaped a $5 million benefit. If that land is worth $7 million, I would have thought the Victorian government or whichever division of the Victorian government would just say, no, we're going to take that back and we're going to sell it and on behalf of the taxpayers make the $5 million, but we'll wait and see. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of implying that 
they care about doing the best thing for the taxpayer, which well, is another question altogether. There will be some uh, media scrutiny, I'm sure, um, oh, if, yes. if they did. But uh, actually, yeah, the other thing right. that, you know, speaking, because uh, the segue into this was uh, no repercussions. The other thing is there was a change of substantial shareholder announcement lodged with the ASX yesterday. GEM Investments, which is the arm controlled by uh, Brew's CFO, Adrian Sear, um, has been slowly selling down shares over an extended period of time. Now, you might remember, or if you if you go back and read the story, he was announced as the CFO two, three years ago, and at the same time bought a number of shares directly from Kent Grogan um, as part of that. I, I, actually, I don't even have it in front of me. I believe he bought them from Kent Grogan off-market and has been selling them on market very, very slowly. Um, I'd actually sent a question through to um, Brew via their secretary in February because I'd noticed that GEM syndication that had a lot of shares suddenly had divested itself of a significant number of shares. And I wondered whether at that time a change in significant shareholding was required and I was told no it wasn't because the shares were still controlled by entities associated with uh, the, the the owner of GEM um, and when you look at the list of businesses or people that have sold, sold there of three so they've gradually sold shares um, so it's, it's been an interesting one but it's oh. as with everything to do with brew very very complicated and not getting many answers uh, so, you know, you, you do wonder when the ASX is going to start asking some questions. Uh, yeah, well, I won't hold my breath. No, but uh, <laughs> did, you can find out all about that in the stories online uh, with a little bit more detail. So I hadn't actually uh, fully briefed myself on that. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, talking about investing, um, Helios Brewing invests in customers and business. Helios Brewing Company announced last week that it would be dropping its in-venue prices as a result of the federal government's excise rebate extension, which will come into line from 1st July. And we talked about that on the Today, podcast a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, we, as you say, we, you covered it, you and Pete covered it while I was away, I think. Um, but just had a chat to Scott at Helios. Just a little backstory, a little bit of trying to understand his thinking in that, because obviously the IBA had mentioned previously, you know, it shouldn't be a thing, it shouldn't be made to be a thing about price. Um, but Scott made the very valid point of saying, look, we're tiny, you know, we aren't going to affect market price ranges and things like that. Um, and not only have they been able to lower their prices, they have actually invested in the business, you know, their marketing facilities, they've brought salespeople on, um, all this kind of stuff that they could never do before. And, you know, it was just to make that point, you know, that just because somebody does it doesn't mean it infects the whole of the industry. Um, it, they made the right business decision for them, and you can't fault them for that. Oh, and, and, and there was never any criticism um, in in the, but it was it was more a point that when the excise change were announced, we did say, look, you know, just defies logic that no one's going to use this to reduce their costs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and once one does, that does you know. If, no one is in an island in the brewing industry. If one business does it, others have to are forced into making decisions um, mm-hmm. for, for for what they do. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, but it, it it sounds like they, they they've thought through um, what 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 they're doing, and uh, good luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. Be interesting to see what other people do as well. Mm. Moving on, talent ages and packaging in the ABAC spotlight. 
Black Flag and Crumbin Brewing companies were critiqued for the packaging of some of their beer, which was ruled to be appealing to minors. Meanwhile, Dan Murphy's and Bloke in a Bar were held to task over the age of models and sports personalities featured in their advertising with very different rulings from an ABAC panel. <laughs> yeah, that one was really fun. Well, not funny. It was just ever so slightly amusing in that um, Dan Murphy's were like, look, we've got the ages of the models. We know they're over 25. They look over 25. They've got you know, although they went into a little bit too much detail for me, they were like, you could see the age lines and things on their face. I was like, rude. Um, but anyway, they, <laughs> they, could, they, could, they, could prove, they could prove that their models were over the age of 25. And not um, Botoxed, apparently. And not Botoxed, apparently. <laughs> um, but bloke in a bar who have been told off about this before by ABAC keep featuring, I think that's the one that was founded by the NRL player it's just a brand right. it's not a brewery yeah, yeah. um which so certainly got... sells it apparently <laughs> it sells does, very very does. well in the east end <laughs> sellers in Bundaberg <laughs> at a 20 dollar premium to brew Ooh. although i'm not gonna lie i think i'd even though they keep getting bollock by aback i think i'd probably go bloke at a bar over them <laughs> um anyway uh but they they ended up bringing in um like sports personalities other nrl players and stuff who were obviously under 25 because they're well-known public figures who have their ages out there in the world and um so somebody pointed that out quite rightly i think one of them was like 21 the others were like 23 24 and you're a bit like, yeah, fair enough. Um, but the most interesting one for me this week was um, <laughs> somebody complained about Cartland United um, for their VB Solar Exchange. You know, I don't know if you remember, Matt. Same they launched bit. it back in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. They launched it back in March, um, VB did. And it was basically like, you know, you invest in solar and you can get a free bit. And the complainant argued that. They said it encourages people to invest in solar and in doing so they can receive VB bit. That's the aim of the campaign. What's your problem? <laughs> and then, and then, um, then they go on to say promotes and encourages people to drink, um, even though the intent is to invest in green energy. Blah blah blah. Um, opens the door to addiction, obtaining more alcohol than required. Um, replace the alcohol with any other substance than can be that can be addicted to. Sick. That's not me. Uh, that was them. Uh, cigarettes or pain medicine or other drugs. It'll be an absolute no-no. What a strange thing to say anyway a back it's a legal it. drug it not available on yep. prescription exactly it's ridiculous and, and, and i'm sorry maybe don't sell cigarettes sorry. i'm pretty <laughs> certain that you're not going to invest in seven and a half thousand dollars of solar to get a free carton of vb if you don't drink um <laughs> and as with all of these things it's more about the appearance of the you know supporting solar as opposed to people actually taking it up you know, it's positioning yeah. the brand. But, but yeah, it, exactly. As is always the case with ABAC, um, with, with these ABAC complaints, you know, somebody has gone through and looked at bloke mm-hmm. in the bar social media, seen these people, then researched yeah. the age of the sporting identity and then yeah, made a complaint, yeah. which just shows that it is professional complainants um, using ABAC and by using ABAC, actually strengthening the system and proving its um, integrity. Yeah, I don't think they've followed the logical conclusion to what they're doing. I don't think they, because they want to tear that down and yet they're using it to back up their, it's just so strange. It's they're so creating weird. a body of precedent that is <laughs> yeah. making ABAC more and more relevant. The one, th- although the counter side to that is, it also does show that under the existing ABAC voluntary code, Bloke in the Bar has been fined for the same thing over and over again. Um, I didn't read the um, judgment. Um, did did they put in a a, a response? Um, 
Yes, yes, they did. Um, they basically went, yeah, we did it. <laughs> I did. Yeah, they knew. Um, They've been told off for it before. They've, they're aware. And, and and that's the one thing with the uh, w- w- with the code is that the lack of sanctions for repeat offenders or people who don't um, adhere to it. Um, yeah. You know, there's the industry can apply pressure, um, you know, in a variety of ways. You know, Dan Murphy's um, or, you know, Endeavor Drinks Group, um, which takes this stuff very seriously. Oh, yeah. You could see that in their response as well because they obviously responded to um, the complaint about the model ages and they were like, look, we do this, this and this. We aim to be the most responsible retailer in Australia. Um, they take, they do take it really seriously. And, you know, if you want your beers listed there, then you're going to have to pay attention really. <laughs> they absolutely do. And and, and that's yeah. the thing. And, it, you know, so there are sanctions that bloke in a bar can be removed from sale there if they're um, constantly um, not complying but you know, it, 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 if somebody really wanted to push against the system, the lack of sanctions um, does give f- fuel to the fair argument, which again is a very strong argument for everyone to adhere to the ABAC uh, code. Mm-hmm. Um, but Claire, just uh, just mm-hmm. a little side note to that: just say you did have a label that oh. had been complained about by the you know people yeah. trawling your Facebook feed, and you wanted to go <laughs> back and change it. What would you do as a business owner? Do you know? I think I think we know some people actually, Matt. Do you do you recall Rallings? I do. I do. do Rallings labels, stickers, <laughs> and packaging can offer label <laughs> stickers and shrink sleeved cans ready to fill, printed with blank cartons, tap decals, keg rollers, te- keg collars, and just about anything else print related to the brewing industry. They pride themselves on giving clients a quality product, and they also pride themselves on giving this quality product that is Australian Brews News and uh, Brews News Week an experience whenever <laughs> clients deal with them and look forward to hearing from you. Give Brad or Paul a call on 1300 852 235 to find out more. Rallings, labels, stickers and packaging are the whole package, and they hey. are, and we appreciate all of their support. <laughs> Oh, and they're great little readouts as well. They always make me laugh. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, actually, speaking of not ABAC, but Drinkwise. Drinkwise oh. and Bowls Australia partner to improve Australia's drinking culture. As Australia's best lawn bowlers prepare for the $250,000 in prize money, the Australian Open finals on the Gold Coast. Uh, social change uh, organisation Drinkwise has teamed up with Bowls Australia to announce a new multi-year partnership to remind Australians about the importance of drinking alcohol responsibly. And it's not just all Australians, it's a particular demographic, Claire. <laughs> yes, apparently so. <laughs> Very interesting, this one. Also, can we just point out $250,000 prize money? Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, they, they say that... Now, hopefully of- <laughs> it's equal for the male competition and the female competition. Is there a male and female competition? That's not fair. Surely bowls isn't very based on, you know, physical prowess, is it? Well, I, I, well I'm pretty sure that, well, again, when I was a member of the Grange Bowls Club, uh, they were definitely two, uh, you know, separate uh, competitions. But I do take ah, your point because it's a game of skill. It's a game of skill. And apparently two-thirds of Bulls participants are aged 60 and over. Is that right? Or is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I never went to more funerals than I did in, during my time as a member of a Bulls club, yes. But apparently, yes, this is, and this is obviously the demographic it's aimed at. Um, research has found that an estimated 1.3 million Australians over the age of 50 are drinking at risky levels. 
Oh, I didn't know that. But it's a, and that's the thing. It, it's a massively generational thing. Is that if mm. you grew up in the sixties and seventies, you know, you know, and you, you you probably look at um, the you know you, you look very differently at a new generation and their their, their attitudes to a whole range of things. And alcohol mm-hmm. is one of those things. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. True. So it's it's why it's like it's it's wonderful that Drinkwise has you know <laughs> identified some of their potentially best customers yeah. um, who actually have a disposable income and spending lots of it to remind them of the, um, you know, the, the potential ill effects. Yeah, wow. Yes, that's actually very clever. That's a good partnership. Mm. Well done, Drinks and, and And let's face it, no one that I can see is talking about geriatric uh, alcohol syndrome or, you know, like there's fetal alcohol syndrome and, you know, mm. there's all of those. <laughs> geriatric. <laughs> You know, just to coin a phrase, but yeah. they haven't been, in that I've seen, a target market or like a target of the anti-alcohol campaigners um, as a um, vulnerable group who they can mine for because fetal alcohol everyone runs it as a sympathetic story as they should Mm -hmm. because it's an incredibly Mm -hmm. serious um, issue but because it is an incredibly serious issue you never see pushback from the interviewer asking whether labels you know whether it's an ignorance about alcohol um, and its impact on the unborn child um, Mm -hmm. that's the issue or it's people who despite knowing the risks or for a whole range of social um, you know negative social disadvantage are continuing to do it and the labeling won't actually change Um, and and that's an element of you know some of those things I haven't seen too many um, anti-alcohol campaigns targeting older Australians. Um, so this is a very proactive move by Drinkwise um, when they've identified that there is a problem and that they're the ones that are actually taking it on before they're pressured to. Yeah, that's a good one. And I don't know if you saw the other week, Matt, about um, the World Health Organization basically saying that women of childbearing age, which is anything from like 15 to 50 or something like that, um, and they were like, you shouldn't be drinking, like, at all. And I was like, uh, right, okay, so you just got to police what a whole section, a massive section of society, almost 50%, you're going to try and push that tank, that demographic around. But I think I think that's partly what it is, though. They, they think that, n- number one, is it something emotional that they can play on? And number two, is it a group that can be guilted into doing it? Try and guilt an older person. Like, they're, they're some powerful voices in community. Like, I'd like to see them, somebody try and tell, like, a generation of people what to do and how to drink, especially who've already lived their lives and are going to be like, sod off. Like, we'll do whatever we want, um, as they should be. Uh, but it's just interesting that they haven't gone for them. And I think because they know that they'd get pushback. But is it a case, and, and we saw that um, and we talk, discussed in the office, but you know, is it a case of the you know, World Health Organization or whoever sort of asking for $10 um, when they hope to get one, you know, sort of saying women of childbearing age shouldn't drink just to highlight the issue or are they, yeah. a, or are they actually looking at um, a, actually imposing that? Um, yeah. and, and it, it, that that's, that's what I'm not sure, but it does seem highly unrealistic. Um, although, yeah. you know... Um, as we've talked about, you know, despite the um, chicken little um, attitude affair, people are drinking less. People are more aware yeah. of, you know, as we, as, as we embark today on dry July. 
Yes, and I was going to say, Matt, I've got something in the works. Um, just looking at all these um, really interesting claims that people make about drinking culture and whether we're drinking less, whether young people are drinking less. So I'm putting something together on that in ahead of dry July. And if anyone has any ideas, they know anything of, of interest, then do let me know. Um, because I think it's a really interesting one to sort of gauge where we are in terms of this because people do say it a lot so where are these claims coming from and how is that going to affect us as an industry um so look out for that one as well absolutely now uh just sort of in the the more the commercial news um element uh breweries up for sale new owners sought for a new south wales brewery this isn't the first one either, Matt, but go on. Uh, yeah, Mudgy Brewing Company is a craft brewery and set in the heart of Mudgy CBD, an establishment. Uh, and I, when I first saw it, I'd have expected this to be Mildura Brewery, but it's Mudgy uh, <laughs> Brewing Company. Um, an I established don't think business. they've left it with us, Matt. <laughs> Since 2007, and now for the first time in its history, is looking for a new owner. Gee, I wonder how much they're making because, you know, I, I, I reckon um, I might buy it and, you know, suddenly turn it into a $20 million venture. <laughs> yeah, if you buy it for like a few hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars, you know, on the thirty-seven thousand EBITDA, and then to say, hey, this is worth fifteen million. <laughs> I think you'd make a right killing on that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, this this isn't the only one we've had. We've got another one um in the back end at the minute, and I think it's really interesting that there's been a few this year. Um, we saw like Sick Puppy, you know, the gluten-free brand that got sold. There's a few that have just been sort of I don't know whether they've had COVID and they were like oh god I don't want to do this anymore or they were like well, well now's the right time to sell the business because we're in like post-COVID world um, but it's, it might be an interesting one I might have to look into a little bit more um, because we barely saw any as you'd expect we barely saw any um, M&A activity last year nobody really buying anybody else or anything like that um, so we'll see we'll have a, we'll keep an eye on it see if it's a little bit of a trend. Well it is because you know look we're Again, if you look at 2000 being, you know, I know that there were a handful before 2000, but when you look Mm. at 2000 being really the impetus date for craft breweries, you know, um, a lot of these breweries are coming up to 10, 15 years old as you um, celebrated this week with um, uh, Two Birds, uh, talking a little bit about them. And you do start getting, you know, it's a crowded marketplace. It's getting harder. It's, uh, you know, you start getting founders fatigue. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is that sort of stage that we, we are seeing. We've seen it in the US, you know, over the last few years, a lot more talk about that now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, but if, yeah, if you're in the market for a brewery, uh, jump on our classifieds because there will be another one um, that's, that's going up <laughs> in the next day or so. So that is all the news that you need uh, to stay informed about the Australian brewing industry for the week ending uh, 2nd July 2021. If you need to get back to work, if you've pulled up and you've been sitting in the car park outside your next sales call, probably (laughs) only in Victoria this week, um, or hopefully lockdowns will finish. Uh, If your flight's landing, uh, that's, that's that. We hope to see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Otherwise, if you want a little bit more ramble, Stay on for Below the Fold just after this. And we're back. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That is great. (laughs) Um, And this is Below the Fold. Um, Our mailbag uh, is brought to us thanks to the New Zealand Ale Trail. Uh, And I was hoping to check out the New Zealand Ale Trail at some stage in the latter part of July. And so hopefully that travel bubble will open because I want to head to www.nzaletrail.com or at 
NZ Ale Trail on social media because I wanted to find the best beer experiences that I could experience when I was over there. If you like what we do, you can review us on iTunes or send us an email um, to be in the draw for the letter of the week. And we haven't had too many of the people who have been read out uh, shooting through their um, postal addresses so I can get some uh, of these wonderful Thirsty Merch dog bone bar blades off to you. Um, We do send them out. All you need to do is let us know. It's as easy as your first comment was. Um, Just send us a message. And if you want to join uh, the Radio Brews News uh, Facebook group, use the password Soapbox. Now, Claire, um, on the on the um, Radio Brews News uh, Facebook page, we were reported. I had I woke up this morning. Oh my god, I saw that. Oh my god, yeah, go on. We uh, a post <laughs> was reported for harassment. Um, now, it was, is that the first one ever? I think it's I've the never first seen one that ever. I've and never I half expected that we were going to be shut. To, you know, having our Facebook troubles. Uh, a number of times um, and and again please this is not this just sort of shows how difficult it is to manage a Facebook group because on one hand we had this wonderful um, uh, post this week um, Pat McInerney from Willie the Boatman um, oh yeah but he basically said you know how awesome our Facebook group is the discussions are interesting and respectful um, even though it's tackling some fairly hard uh, issues and uh, that you know from a professional brewer someone in the industry and someone who is known for you know being a someone who enjoys himself to have that comment was really really nice and uh, but then to wake up this morning that we've been uh, complained <laughs> and it was Daniel Massey had posted a obviously obviously a novelty beer um yeah, it was yeah. a, a beer called uh, w-a-n-k I won't say that in case there are kids listening um who are below the age that they can spell um uh, but yeah look it was one of those things that was a little bit inappropriate um there's a there's a mob down in uh victoria who do these sorts of novelty cans they print the labels and it's basically a generic lager that they just whack whatever label you want on. Um, but the thing I found um, interesting about this was that there was you know, discussion that people going, you know, how terrible this is for the industry and like it's um, just doesn't really add anything. But the, the, the conversation was pretty responsible. Um, there wasn't dogpiling. It was looking at the issue and just saying, you know, blah. But then, I didn't even know who Grindhouse was, but it turns out it's a punk band um, from yeah, Victoria. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not a brewery, is it? It's just they're taking the piss bit. Well, they've just gone to a uh, like people who repackage and, and label. Mm. But um, so when you go to the Grindhouse, so what is Grindhouse? It's four sexually misguided punk rock outlaws on a mission to deliver low down, cheap oh, seats, God. dirty garage rock action at all costs. <laughs> um, from Freddie's Fowl House in Frankston Mall, <laughs> the seeds were sown many years ago in the forgotten teenage wasteland of Australian suburbia in the early nineties, um, and. Yeah, so it's, it's been shared in a private group. Like it's been yeah. shared in a private group that you can't see unless you're a member of the private group. Yeah. The conversation has been pretty respectful just of saying, look, yeah. you know, is this really necessary? And these punks from the, or outlaws on a mission to deliver <laughs> low-down, cheap, dirty garage rock action <laughs> find that they're being harassed because 600 people have politely discussed, hmm, I don't really think this is good for us. So In a private group. In a private oh, group. That's um, and it's, so look, if you can't handle the harassment, don't call your beer what you call but it's it. Not a, but that's the thing. If you're going to be out there and have that, yeah. um, surely you're after a reaction. And yes, let's that's face what it, they want. The reaction in our Facebook group was very mild. 
Um, yeah. So anyway. Oh yes, very. They, it was very um, almost oblique. Everyone was talking about it in a in an industry sense, and you know, mm, what does this say about us? And you know, what will Aback do and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like this is blah blah blah. No. Nobody was like vehemently against it. I mean, there was a bit. Um, someone called it cringeworthy, which is true. <laughs> and Craig, yeah, Craig Maiden said um, the color scheme is horrendous, and I said, yeah. I mean, really. Really appreciate your concern for aesthetics, Craig. Because <laughs> I mean, that's let's be honest, that's not the worst of it. But I agree. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Ooh, made me laugh. funnily enough, made me he laugh. he um, could only see it because yesterday um, he uh, you know, applied to enter the group, um, mm. and I didn't. And it was another one where I didn't. You know, I saw that it wasn't like one of these people that you know only signed up on June twenty ninth. Uh, you know, and so it was. Uh, potentially a bot or somebody that had a, mm. a, a Facebook presence, but I didn't know who Grindhouse was, didn't know any of that, so I admitted him to the group <laughs> with, despite not using Soapbox. Um, and uh, <laughs> now we live uh, on borrowed time potentially, so... <sighs> ah, I don't think we'll get shut down for that. Well, it's asking me whether I want to remove the post, and I'm thinking, well... No. No, but yeah, then just, again... Yeah, just let it keep. It's but fine. harking back to your great article last week... Um, if if it, it, it it's been reported, if he reports mm. us now, um, we're subject to um, Facebook's in, you know, entire discretion. Will um, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah fair enough. Where there's not people because these people you know the, the businesses run on scale. Um, mm. You've got no one to answer to um, if they if they do take you down and somebody who's been you know in in my view completely uh, over the top. But you know this is why brewers, if you're going on Facebook um, and relying on them to be your number one communication, you're dicing with death. I would hate for our you know wonderful Facebook group to uh, to be taken down. But then again, we can just start another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> anyway, and there lies the problem with Facebook. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, other oh, yeah. Dean McLeod, actually Dean, who has been, who's a brewer, um, an Australian brewer working in Canada. Um, I'll have to get his postal address so I can send him a uh, bar blade. He posted on the main Facebook page regarding the five million dollar grant. Considering all of the money that was wasted propping up the Australian automotive industry, this is a great little bit of support for an actual thriving industry. Good one. Um, Interestingly, there was a counter from somebody that worked yeah, in the. Did you um, see that? It got weird. That one. It got uh, really strange. <laughs> well, look, if, if if you know, if I'd worked in an industry for twenty years that the government mm. had supported, and you're you know um, invested in it, um, and the government has supported, it because I think you know sometimes those industry grants are fairly complicated um, mm. in the sense that you know the government spent billions. Um, propping up an Australian car industry, um, but then there was a lot of locally manufactured parts. You know, there was a whole lot that went with that. Um, and I'm not an economist. I don't know whether it was good or was bad. Um, I do know that a lot of our cars are coming from overseas now and you can't buy one for love nor money at the moment um, mm-hmm. because the supply lines, chips, um, you know, we're completely... You know, if we something happened... Um, we wouldn't be able to buy new cars because we don't have an Australian thing. So I don't, I, I don't know. But, yeah, it was, it was just an interesting little discussion um, that, for the mm. most part, seemed nice and respectful. Yeah. But you're right, though, because um, grants, especially at that, that kind of federal government level, there's an element of politics there. Um, of course, they'd support the automotive industry when it had a lot of people employed within it. And do you know what? For this round, investing in a lot in brewers, 
they've already proven that this is a good industry to back. You know, they had made that announcement for the budget about excise rebates. Um, they know it's it's kind of like a safe one. They're not going to get any shit for supporting this kind of industry, which is seen as quite trendy and growing and all these kind of things. Um, so you can you can understand why people might get a bit sensitive about um, the government backing a certain industry over another. But to them, I imagine it was a safe bet. It was like, what? Who's going to complain that we give them more bit? Nobody. Well, it, and it's, it's a growth industry that is employing mm. a lot of Australians, and you know. Um, seems to be, you know, a, a, a good one. But it, incidentally, uh, uh, saving this for below the fold and another, you know, get your bingo cards ready. Um, interestingly, you know, in, in, in the wake of that, um, I have reached out to a number of Queensland government departments just to find out whether there is any um, ongoing um, monitoring or reporting, um, you know, into um, the an analysis of the grants that were given to BrewDog. Um, you know, when BrewDog did their equity crowdfunding, they released their accounts that showed that in two successive years, they'd gotten $800,000 from the government, um, which is presumably grants under their um, attraction, together with, you know, well, we don't know because it's all, inverted commas, commercial incompetence. Um but there were other assistance and you know payroll holiday, payroll tax holidays and things like that provided Brewdog scaled to to certain uh, levels. Um, curiously, in the wake of um, well, as, as of itself, but possibly also in the wake of the um, negative um, attention that Brewdog has been getting over the last few weeks, um, you know, no one is very very keen on talking about Brewdog. Considering the, mm, um, you know, the now treasurer Cameron Dick, um, you know, could not wait to front cameras when the uh, when it was announced. The the new minister for beer, Glenn Butcher, um, pretty much just said, "Well, that wasn't our department. You know, um, we're doing great things for the brewing industry through our craft beer strategy." Um, that, of course, was a reaction to that. Um, but I'd, I would love to know that you know, one point six million dollars has been given to lure a foreign owned competitor that 20% of the ownership is held in um, tax dodges in the Cayman Islands or tax havens in the um, Cayman Islands. I think dodges probably accurate. Um, well, um, you might think that. I may, can't possibly comment. We could have possibly got. Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, and you know, $1.6 million and, you know, when it comes to what the craft beer strategy is, we do have the TAFE course. That is helping a lot of people um, go through, and it seems to be going quite well. Brew Lab still hasn't quite found its feet because the equipment at Brew Lab is being used by the TAFE course, um, and so brewers can't or aren't really going in there to um, uh, uh, you know, use it. Um, there were these craft beer permits that were done. <laughs> Curiously, they weren't part of the craft beer strategy at all because the craft beer strategy didn't even include legislative reform. It was, um, and I don't want to sort of overdo my hand in it, but when on the day that the craft beer strategy was announced, we had Cameron Dick on radio who, because I was in the studio and asking him about that, um, he undertook to do a review of... Um, and, you know, as part of uh, other things, but the only mention on the day of the 
legislative review wasn't in anything to do with the craft beer strategy. It was in a radio interview that we conducted uh, with him um, on the day that he undertook to uh, to do the legislative review. So it's not really even a craft beer review, uh, craft beer strategy form. But uh, I'd, I'd love to know if any Queensland brewers have got anywhere near the $1.6 million benefit the Brewdog has and what benefit um, the Queensland government is projecting that in giving them that money over and above spending that same money anywhere else in the um, brewing industry. Mm, interesting. Didn't that take us off topic? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Mo Bishop in the Facebook group, regarding the $17 four-pack discussion uh, with Helios and also Wade Curtis had some interesting things. There was absolutely no dubiousness around the $17 four-pack, um, but if you look at the ones who are doing $17 four-packs, they do tend to be the bigger ones, um, mm-hmm. and I think $17 four-packs is certainly not the norm um, in craft beer. Um, oh, now, no, But Mo Bishop not. says... Uh, Regarding $17, uh, this equates to $25 six-packs and most macro craft beer is around $25 a six-pack. I'm not in the industry, but it's my understanding that in Australia, excise on beer is quite high to discourage drinking beer to excess. Do CUB and Helios pay the same right of excise? Uh, yes, they do. Um, mm-hmm. on, on Same products, same alcohol, same excise. Um, yeah. I ask because it seems that a high excise on mass production shouldn't preclude the ability to excise, to reduce excise on small producers, and that's one of the uh, arguments for doing it thus allowing small players to better compete with the CUB Asahi-owned brands and reduce the need to partner to survive without encouraging a flood of cheap beer that would cause pearl clutches to faint over. And he makes a, <laughs> makes a very, very good point. And you know, that very succinctly summarises why I think it was erroneous to argue that brewers would automatically invest the money in their business and not in their brand by reducing the price to try and compete. Um, you know, lower excise means that you can potentially lower the cost of beer at point of sale to, you know, better target, um, you know, your pale ale against little creatures, for example, um, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to close the price. Um, and that's where I wasn't criticising uh, Helios in any way. Um, it also says it could somewhat discourage deals like Pirate Life, Green Beacon, Four Pines. Don't know where that would um, come in because the amount of money is nothing compared to what they would have made through their sales. And they'll still benefit from the economies of scale of, of the wider company. So even though they'd get more excise back if they were smaller and it would mean more to them, it kind of bounces out with the benefits of being part of a big company. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And also, my missus gave me a, a mixed case, brackets primarily, Queensland Independent uh, Brews, and this was a cracker. Black Hops, Super Hornet, double IPA, um, and I presume it <laughs> means for the win. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> So thank you very much, Mo. Now, Mo's been a frequent correspondent. Hopefully he's got a bar plate. Mm. If not, let us know. Um, Nigel Ayling, uh, we love craft beer. Um, read the Beer Cartel special episode. Just listen to it. There were a lot of awkward moments, and I even found myself squirming in my seat. Um, oh. Again, you might think that. Couldn't possibly comment. We ask the questions. <laughs> you hear the answers. You, okay. <laughs> we ask. You decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. Brad Hulse, Ree Brewdog, Solid Gold Can. Now, was it? Now, oh, yeah. We haven't even talked. Well, we've mentioned Brewdog, but not in this particular Well, place. haven't they're they? They're always doing something. You know, <laughs> the, their, their treatment of staff was something that we talked about years ago. You know, yep, um, yep. 
there's been a whole lot of scrutiny on um, James owning properties that he then leases back to the business. We talked about that years ago on mm-hmm, the pod. You know, mm-hmm. back back when it became a thing. You know, is this just a Brewdog podcast? Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry to anyone that um, got caught up in the fog voice because I know that we did overdo it, and you you did make a, make a very good point. But a lot of the things that are around their marketing that we always used to discuss. We discussed here because no one else was, um, and now suddenly the media sniffs blood in the water that there is weakness to the Brewdog brand, and they're all looking for other angles that they can yeah. pick at. And they've found them, and they've found them. Well, yeah, they found them whether eventually. they have any, whether they have any merit or not, is a different thing. But they have found lots of issues, lots of things to pick at. And, you know, we do take the mick out of Brewdogs for being punk when they're like like the least punk business I've ever seen. Um, But, yeah, that one was a bit of a... But that was the thing. You know, they held themselves out to be holier than thou and better. And, you know, when breweries got sold they removed them from their festivals or you know made a big thing of you know and then they sold to a private equity firm they were talking about building a community of punks they sold at a greatly reduced price than what they were selling their punk equity at um to a private equity firm that Uh is holding the shares in tax exile um which isn't very well, maybe that is punk. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what is punk? So, so far from well, that's the, and that's the question, isn't it? What is punk, and what is it to them? And it's clearly not what it used to be because they're just using it as a marketing tactic. And also, hilariously, um, I think it's TPG Capital. Yep. Um, that were the uh, private equity firm. I believe one of the major people in that business was is like some raging Tory Brexiteer. <laughs> and I'm like, one. does that really? <laughs> Does that really go that, with your image there, Bruno? That James was complaining about Brexit and how it was going to damage yeah. him. But then the other thing is that they've made the, um, the, the, the the chair in the wake of their employee scandals. They've made the chair of TSG their, the, the chair of their board. And you're going, well, okay, so is that window dressing you've put a female in charge of your board when it comes to gender equity? And let's face it, private equity that is holding its shares in tax exile, you know, probably not the best corporate citizen. Um, yeah, yeah. It kind of doesn't not. matter to me what your gender is if <laughs> yeah. that's what your business practices are. So, <laughs> like, that's not going to help. Yeah, but anyway, back to Brad Hulse. <laughs> um, Re-Brewdog Solid Gold Camp. Their marketing meetings would make a used car salesman cringe. And, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't caught up on the news, they did the Willy Wonka so, you know, gold ticket. Um, yeah. They valued it 15, you know, a solid gold pounds. can, which yeah. a solid gold can has a very definite meaning. You know, yeah. like the, there's not much you know, wiggle room. Um, no, there's no interpretation on that one. And it, it turns out it. to be brass with gold plating <laughs> three microns thick, um, <laughs> that it's not really gold three at all. Microns. <laughs> and the value is about 500 pounds. The value of gold is about 500 uh, pounds. But oh when they come God. to it, well, the $15,000 comes from the rarity of the can. Um, and I don't oh, know that there's a huge yes. market. You know, um, unless it's got a uh, fungible token in it as well that they can then sell it for, uh, you know, 15 million pounds. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, – and but then – so it's the rarity, the cost that it made us to make our promotion. So if we spend 15,000 pounds advertising our promotion, essentially, that means that the – blunt pencil that we give you is worth £15,000 because it's the only one that we're giving, is their <laughs> argument. Um, 
But then, Has it got Martin Dickey's soul in it? Is that why it's worth 15000 oh, Does it? Well, I'm starting to think, do they have one? But anyway. Um, and then the, 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 the cherry on top of the weird it's so punk was, well, yes, we did say it was a solid gold can and it was worth £15,000. But when you read the fine print in our terms and conditions... What we said in our advertising doesn't wash because the terms Aww. and conditions which the lawyers had signed off on Aww. was spot on. So, uh, Not yeah. the lawyers. Oh, God. Wow. Said, everything. Love everything about a lot this of the people in there. You know, it's, a, it's a nice venue to have a beer in. The beers are pretty good. But, That's it. Um, you know, and isn't Willie, isn't Willie Wonka like a raging capitalist as well? Is that, uh, Willie Wonka. I would have thought he was. Uh, don't ruin my childhood. No, please don't ruin my childhood. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> Anyway, we had a good laugh. <laughs> what a banger. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so that's mail, well, right on an what hour. What time are we on? Because uh, Right on an hour. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, let's call it a day then. Claire, live good. from lockdown, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your efforts during this week. And, uh, and congratulations <laughs> on your interview. I'm halfway through your chat with Jane um, and oh, Danielle. Lovely. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um and they were, they're obviously fantastic. They've been on There Is A Conversation quite a few Individually, times now. Individually, but never together, I don't Oh, think. never together. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, you for, for a while there, it was a little bit like Superman and Clark Kent. You know, was yeah, it the same person? <laughs> never, <laughs> well, they've <laughs> got a lovely dynamic together as well. Yeah. Like, you can tell that they've worked together for so long. Um, like, not quite finishing off each of the sentences and stuff, but you can tell they had a laugh and that's what got them through 10 years. And now they're, they're breathing a little sigh of relief now that they can hand some stuff off and go on holiday and, you know, enjoy themselves after 10 years in the game. So, yeah, good on them. So uh, go and listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, meanwhile, thank you to Cry Malt, uh, Thirsty Merchants, uh, Rallings, label stickers and packaging. I think I got it right that time. Um, yeah, you, you know who that Rallings. <laughs> Rallings. You know who they are. Brad. Yeah. And Paul. Don't forget Paul. I'm Paul. Sorry, I'm Paul. Um, I'm Paul. And also New Zealand Ale Trail. Thank you to all of those people that make this possible. Um, actually, <laughs> I was thinking that Rallings shouldn't actually be podcast sponsors. They should be our ad- ABAC sponsors because that's the oh, segue that we should. use. That's every time we, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, we don't want to have encouragement to do more ABAC. We only do it when it's needed. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you. And thank you, Claire, um, for all of your efforts and uh, for joining me okay. on this. And thank you to you, our listeners. Uh, join our Facebook group if it still lives um, after today. And uh, as Pete would say, be good, stay tuned, wear a mask, wash your hands, whatever else he would say. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. You know, wash your hands. Take care you of go. yourselves and take care of each other is what Pete really means. Yeah. Chat next week. (laughs) And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Bruise News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. Bruise.